What's up, buddy? Not much, man. How you doing? I am good. Everybody, welcome to Craftsman Cooking. What's up? What's up? So, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what we're doing and who we are and, you know, everybody that's listening. You know, I'm sure these first couple people that listen to this will be only people we know, but eventually it'll be folks that uh, have never met us. Hi, Dad. (laughs) What's up, Susie B? Cool time. Uh, we also have our buddy Christian here. Yeah, man. What's up, Christian? Hey, guys. Hey, yeah. man. Yeah. So, uh, I'm Bacon. This is my buddy Derek. What's up? Yeah. So, uh, this is, again, Craftsman Cooking. Um, we're a podca- podcast dedicated to um, teaching people how to cook, you know, for their friends, for their family. Um, it's not something that's rocket science. Um, it, you know, some people are very intimidated by it. We're not. Um, Derek is a trained chef, classically trained, um, has run several kitchens, the executive chef of several different places. I am self-taught, just a fan of Food Network and uh, had some really good friends that kind of taught me some tips and tricks and whatnot and um, got kind of creative on my own and came up with some stuff. And so during the pandemic last year, he and I started talking about some things we could do and this was the first one we both were like, yes. Absolutely, man. Let's uh, let's do something together because it's, it's a lot of fun for me being self-taught. Right. Um, and, you know, creativity and kind of always changing. Like, you know, I'll make, you know, the same dishes several different times, but is it the same recipe? Probably never is it exactly the same because typically I'll sit down and within about three bites, I'm like, ooh, next time I should do this. Next Absolutely. time I should do that. Whereas you're trained. Right. Um, and your consistency. Well, I mean, my, my livelihood depended on consistency with the restaurant. You have to have the same thing over and over again. I can't, I can't vary it up because you're coming back for the crispy chicken. That's what you want. You want that. And that's all you want. Well, I'm not going to change that up next week. Cause Oh, I got a whim of an idea. So it's not fair to the customer, but in the home. Yeah. I definitely support everybody changing it up. You don't want the same thing over and over again. Taco Tuesday is great, but you know, you know, Ground beef is cool one time, but then pork and carnitas is great the next time, man. Why would you do the same thing over and over again? Absolutely. Um, so let's, you know, let everybody know who we are. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take the lead on kind of interviewing you a little bit. So right. tell the folks, you know, kind of, you know, let's go 100 words or less. You know, what got you? I'm not going to count the words, by the way. Hundreds way too many for me to count. Um, but just, you know, the, the Cliff Notes version. Of, you know, what got Derek to this point tonight, um, you know, culinary-wise, um, gotcha. life. You know, just tell the folks about yourself. I got you. Um, so, um, we're both from Mobile, Alabama. And, um, you know, out of high school, we pretty much, um, we both um, worked in the restaurant business. And, uh, whatever you touch last, there we are. Hey, yeah. 
How's that? You muted me. No, I've, I've muted. Are oh. you in one? I am in one. Oh, okay. Well, the board's backwards. <laughs> this like, is our first podcast. We will get these technical difficulties worked out. So yeah. back to. Oh yeah, we were still born in Mobile. <laughs> well, I was born in Gulfport, but raised in Mobile, and uh, been in the restaurant industry since I was like 16 years old. Started out as a busboy, and uh, you know it's really cool when you can hear yourself talking. That's amazing. Yeah. But um, you know, and met you early on. I say it was what 20 years old when we met, maybe 19. Something like that. Yeah. And um, TGI Fridays. And, oh my God, the stripes—they were amazing. But uh, always been fascinated with food. Loved it. It was the one time, you know, in my family that we actually got together. You know, I didn't, my parents, you know, we come from those, both parents had to work to survive things. So the only time I really saw them was when we had dinner. And, um, you know, being an 80s kid, it was always in front of a TV, but that's what we did back then, man. That's how you grew up. But um, so moving on, I worked in the bars for a long time. And then I kind of got the whim of, you know, I got tired of working construction, got tired of working all these odd end jobs. I wanted something to be more stimulating and I've always been a maker. Obsessed with Tony um, Bourdain and I just like, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna go to culinary school. So saved up, um, was a welder and paid for culinary school through that and graduated and I teamed up with two friends that we used to work in a bar with and we opened our own kind of a it was a dive bar. I mean, we just made burgers and stuff like that. But it was a good learning experience for me. And then I left there and became the executive chef for the number one restaurant in Mobile. And then two years later, I opened my own restaurant called SciShow with the same owner from Noja. And then um, that's it, man. Here we are. I retired four years ago from the kitchen to be a pseudo stay-at-home dad. But, uh, yeah, that's it. So now here we are trying to rekindle that passion for cooking and just spread my knowledge from what I learned from school and running a restaurant and helping people out, man. You just make quality food at home that's not overwhelming. How about you, bud? How did you get into this world? Yeah, so a uh, little bit different story than Derek. Um, you know, we, my family ate dinner together just about every night. Right. I mean, sometimes the TV was on. Sometimes mom and dad would turn it off. Um, but it was a you know typical like you'll see on TV, um, you know the parents. How was your day? What did you learn in school today? How was baseball practice? How was football practice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Um, and then I remember I was probably twelve or thirteen, and uh, my mom had the idea of um, me and my older brother starting to cook dinner um, once a week. So really? like, yeah, I don't I don't remember what night was which or whatever, but my older brother Greg would take a night, and then I would take a night. Um, and, you know, kind of planning the menu. Um, and she would kind of, you know, talk us through it. And this was way before, you you know, YouTube or Google or anything like that. So you had to either look up in a cookbook or find something in the store. You know, I mean, I remember making blue box macaroni and cheese probably every time. Hey, I love the blue box macaroni and cheese. Um, and it was, you know, almost idiot proof. Yeah. Can, can you boil water? No. Can you measure milk? Can you put the yellow powdery stuff? Can you stir? You know, rocket yeah. science, right? Yeah. Um, I think the first thing I actually made made was mashed potatoes. Um, and I remember helping my dad a lot, like on the grill. Yeah. You know, just learning how to do that kind That's of stuff. That's a passage right there, man. Oh, I mean, in the South, yeah, yeah like you, you don't get to touch the grill until you know what you're doing. Uh, but just, you know, get out there and helping. Yeah. Um, and then, so that was all, that kind of started it. Gotcha. For me, um, you know, you and I met at Fridays as bartenders. 
Um, and just, you know, back then, it was kind of having a bunch of friends that could cook a little bit. And then I remember hanging out when we weren't at work, you know, because that, that group of bartenders, we basically only hung out with each other. Well, that's all we could do, man. We worked so much. We yeah. became a family. There's seven of us that that was it. Yeah, we were, you know, you, you're the only people you knew that were off were the other people on staff that weren't working that night. And so we all hung out and always ended up, we were in the kitchen. Yep. You know, we didn't hang out in on the back porch. We didn't hang out in the living room. We all hung out in the kitchen whoever's house we were at and um you know whoever was the better cook typically it was chris uh-huh. um you know would do so and i just remember paying attention and then you know watching asking questions learning and then when food network got really really popular emerald live yeah um was a big influence um i remember uh tyler florence had a show called tyler's ultimate yep that i, I just fell in love with that show because he would go and like you know he was going to do the spaghetti episode so he would go to like three different places that made it different um and then kind of come up with his own recipe based on his travel and i just thought that was the coolest thing yeah uh and then of course you know we both you know call, consider anthony totally. bourdain uh a uh, influence you know just the travel and, and everything um you know that, and that's that's kind of how i taught myself how to cook yeah you know a little bit from my mom um, you know, and a lot from friends and then just watching and learning and being a good visual learner um, and, and then just wanting to play, right. you know, getting in the kitchen and, and just wanting to try stuff. That's the beauty about a kitchen, man. You can just, you can fail and fail and fail and it's still be good, but you're yeah. just, you got to progress through it and just, you know, don't let it be daunting to you and just enjoy it and use fresh as much as you can. Yes. And that's, so growing up in the South, there was uh, a couple people on TV that were really, uh, you know, everybody had Julia Childs. Everybody knew about her. You remember Martin Yen? Yeah. Yen can always, cook, so can you. Always had the uh, the big cleaver, and then he would make the noodles. and. Yep. He could debone a chicken in 15 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, I def- like, definitely remember him. Literally one of the greatest videos you'll ever watch on YouTube. Uh, this yeah. cat breaks down quarters, eight quarters of chicken in 15 seconds. And it's, and it's 90 miles an hour. Yeah. Like full speed, just full energy. And you do it like this, and it's done. And then it's like, and it really was. It was in all the pieces. It was unbelievable. Yen can cook, so can you. So can you. That's it. It was like great. Yeah. And then uh, Justin Wilson, man, like that. Just that, in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> that was the coolest thing ever. Just hearing that Creole voice come in and making gumbo, like trying to get the scrimps in the <laughs> pot, and the pot was too small. That saltine wine, man. It, that was just that was childhood. That's childhood for me right there. You know those those memories that you can recall like sight and smell and sound and everything. I remember there was a Saturday afternoon. My parents were running errands or something. It was me. I think probably both of my brothers at this point, we, I think Greg and I were watching Joey. He was very, very young and Justin Wilson was on just in the kitchen. <laughs> and this is the part that I will never, ever forget. He's cooking some kind of cage. I, I can't tell you what the dish was, right. but um, he had gotten a new measuring cup. Oh, no. Big glass measuring cup. And he's like, and I, I only use the cup, the cup side. This other side on this new measuring cup got something called a litre. I don't know what a litre is. If y'all know what a litre is, y'all somebody let me know. <laughs> and so every time I pull my biggest medicine cup out of the uh, measuring cup out of the cabinet, and it, if it's on that side, I'm like, I don't know what a litre is. <laughs> Never fails. Every single time. Nope. I mean, this is. 30-something years ago yeah, at this point. Yeah. And, you know, it's still, and it makes me giggle 
every time I grab that big one out. Yep. And then uh, to see that old plastic ware that your grandmother had that, you know, the sugar came in with that little mm-hmm. press top. Yes. And that's the greatest thing to see all this old stuff. That weird brown or green or blue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those but like there's only the three colors. Don't exist in the crayon box. <laughs> <laughs> like, nah, I don't know how y'all did this, but it's amazing. Absolutely. Um, so, and then you have know, just finished up real quick. Um, kind of like Derek, you know, bartended in several different places, ended up in the restaurant um, side of things as a manager. Um, had cooked a little bit while I was bartending, but um, also got some great education and just working with some really great chefs um, in the restaurants that I worked at. But as Rams. a manager, they made you work the kitchen, right? You yeah. had to do that for like a couple months. Yeah, when I started at Felix's, uh, I think I spent like the first three or four months in the kitchen and basically running the grill. There you I go. mean, Ooh. I'd kind of gone through every station, but um, if I remember correctly, I mean, this was 2007, so yeah. we're talking 14 years ago. Um, I think they were short a grill guy, and so you know when when Chef Howard realized I could handle I could handle myself on the grill, he kind of you know it wasn't wasn't as much like training training. It was like we need we right. need him a as a body. Yeah, um, so it was it was a great experience. I remember you know cooking you know um, whitefish miniere and mm. almondines for some thirty something thousand dollar days yeah um you know that place goes on the wait at like 11 o'clock when they open and doesn't break the wait till nine o'clock at night and you are cooking fish though you may get a break long enough to sit down and eat maybe yeah plenty of days like they're bringing in pizza and you're shoving a piece of pizza in your face the the seven seconds you have to take a break yeah Uh, so but it was a you know great experience. Learned a tough from learn a ton from Chef Mike, and then I Chef mean Chef Howard, Howard, and then Chef Mike yeah. down at Bluegill when I was running there. So he uh, was Sue. At Felix's, well, correct? when I started, he still had Cooper T's. Oh wow! Yeah, he was he was the exec at Cooper T's, and then you know unfortunately that didn't quite work out, yeah. and so then he came and was um, the Sue at Felix's. Okay. Um, and so we, you know we all worked together when you were a server there. Yep. Um, and then Mr. Cooper bought the bluegill and I got tapped to go down there and run that. And chef Mike came down. So initially it was me and Carlos. Um, and then we had a, uh, we had a consultant. I cannot, I'm blanking on his name. I can see his face. I'm blanking on his name. Um, and then chef Mike came down three or four months after we had been open. But the majority of the five years I was there, it was, you know, I was running the front of the house as a GM and chef Mike was running the kitchen. Um, you know, great guy. Learned a, oh, learned a ton yeah. from him. I mean, you know, he and I, along with Mr. Cooper and Lewis, um, you know, kind of perfected the flaming oysters, yep. um, you know, the Krabby Patty, the Redneck Taco. You know, that was Good those were some fun days building that menu out. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, None better than building a menu. Yeah. Um, but you know, mainly just I, I like to cook, okay. um, and kind of, had kind of lost the passion of it for a little while. Absolutely. Um, but it was the pandemic. You know, just not being able to go out and eat. Um, it kind of sparked that interest in me again. Um, and I think a lot of it started, um, my little brother got into sous vide yeah. using a sous vide, whatever the proper term is. Oh, you're right. And, um, tried to convince me to get one and I was like, but I don't know what I'm doing with one. I've never used it. Don't worry. Bradley Cooper will teach you all about it. You know, or, <laughs> but, uh, he, uh, so I went out there for Thanksgiving two years ago. Um, and that was the first time I'd really had a chance to kind of see how it works and play with it a little bit. You've only been sous vide for two years. I've been sous vide probably not even two years. All right. Probably I'd say 18 months at the most. It's wow. probably less than, probably less than that by a couple months. All right. Um, but he got me one. For, so 
he did he's been doing a like a salmon a sticky salmon dish nice it's really really good and so we were going to his friend's house for thanksgiving dinner and you know uh, we're asked to bring some stuff and he wanted me to make i think i made my mac and cheese um that i just make regular yeah. um and then um we we were looking at different ideas and we had the thought of can you do mashed potatoes in a sous vide and so instead of just you know, putting the potatoes in the vacuum bag, diced up. Um, we actually threw the cream and the butter and everything else in there, uh, and they were the best mashed potatoes I have ever had. They are good. And, I, and this is going to sound stupid, and I know it. I know it will before I say it, but they tasted more like potatoes. They yeah. tasted potatoey, versus just butter, cream, salt, pepper, which is fantastic. Uh, but they, you could. It was, it was more like a baked potato yeah, that was just super creamy. Yeah, yeah, it was, and and that kind of sparked that interest. And then Joey got me, um, he got me a sous vide and a vacuum sealer and like the container and everything I needed was my Christmas present from him. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I'll be honest, it sat in my house for a little bit. You know, work schedules, stuff like that. And then, you know, once COVID nineteen hit, and I'd used it a couple times, but you know, it hadn't really just gone into it but then you know when you couldn't really go anywhere right and because of my day job i was in a grocery store i was like well let's you know learn how to use this thing yeah like i know it will work i just gotta play with it and i mean that was that sparked a fire in me it's incredible man you go you see all these kitchens that you know we didn't come from kitchens in that world you know you're you're talking about fryers and grills and then broilers and stuff like yeah. that and no one in the south is sous vide anything and I come out of culinary school and we weren't sous vide in culinary school you know what 11 years ago and but you had places like La Bernadin and stuff like that Thomas Keller and these guys are just crushing the industry with this technique that is it's incredible what you can do by just sealing something in a plastic bag and then throwing it in a water bath yeah. and letting it hang out and it it takes food to a whole nother level and i get where some chefs were all you know bent out because they didn't want to do it and they felt it wasn't traditional it wasn't true to technique but that's the same way with anything man if you look back through the history of culinary the french did things and then the english did it and then the brits you know all these people were doing things and so when this person like oh i'm gonna cook with just straight fire like oh man what are you doing that's not right Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter as long as you're putting out a product that somebody likes it who cares how you got to the the party as long as everybody's at the party yeah and um yeah i mean at some point the grill wasn't you know, no, conventional they, and widespread. It was brought in. Nobody wanted indoors. Yeah. You know, everything was these French sweets and mm-hmm. it's just, this, it's a brutal system and we're such prideful people, man, as chefs. It's hard to tell another chef mm-hmm. that this is what you should be doing. We put so much time and effort into doing this one thing and then somebody else to bring this on. They're like, oh no, you got to do it like this. And you're like, yeah, I piss off. Well, and, and I think that's kind of what led us to this. Yeah. Is you know the sous vide is one of those things where as long as you know a little bit, you really can't screw it up. No, like it's an app. Yeah, if you have, if you have the right vacuum, I mean you don't even have to have a vacuum sealer. You can use the water displacement method. Doesn't not quite as good, but you you get a little risky just by putting yeah. in a ziploc. But but I mean as long as you get a good seal and you set the temperature right, like you almost. Very seldom can you overcook it. The only things I can think of are like white meat chicken, 
Yeah, you can you can mess up some chicken and you can mess up vegetables. Really. Yeah, and you can overcook vegetables, but I mean like yeah. beef, pork, something like that. You're really not you're not gonna over, it's just gonna get better. Right, you're you're holding it at temperature. I mean, you'll get to where you lose the texture of some things, but in some cases that's what you're going for. Yeah. What was the cat? Um, Ron Popeil. <laughs> Set it and forget Set it. Set it and forget it. That's what quintessentially sous vide is, man. Yeah, it's it really is. You know, and for me in the kitchen. In the restaurant, it made things a lot better for me because I was able to mass produce a lot of things and it gave me a longer shelf life. So raw food, you know, you're at max, you're going to get four days and that's you're pushing that. Yeah. But I'm cooking it and I'm keeping it in its natural juices. I'm 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 pulling that out to like seven days. So I'm making my week with things that I didn't think I could. We started sous vide and like basically mild poaching salmon dude it was incredible and i'm not a salmon fan but it just gave me the ability to do food differently and control it where my consistency was always point yeah and it why would i not do that now i'm not saying that that's all we're gonna do on this show we will braise we will grill we'll cook mm-hmm. a pig in the ground but you know sous vide is something that i believe everybody should have in their house and i'd be willing to bet there's something in almost everything we do that goes into a sous vide between the two of us yeah so I love that thing. I do too. Big fan, big fan. All right. So just real quick, craziest thing you have cooked in a sous vide in a water bath. Oh man. Either, either single item or dish. I mean, I know mine and, and my buddy Christian here can, can attest to it. Um, so I've done, uh, two different times I've done sweet potato casserole. Oh, cool. The whole thing. I mean, every bit of the cooking process other than, the toast off at the uh, at the right, very end right, right. was done in the sous vide, and I, I mean, just the first time I tried, oh, I'm on to something here. Wow, Thoughts? sweet potato casserole. I, I don't know that I've ever had sweet potato casserole that tasted like that. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't because generally, you know, it's like <laughs> grandma's sweet potato casserole. It's like sugar and marshmallows. Oh yeah, you, right. And then you get like a little bit of sweet potato taste. A little candy. Yeah, and this was this was like a sweet potato. It was like a baked sweet potato. That's incredible. Oh, it was, I'll make it for you sometime. It's yeah, really, man. It 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 really really good. Yeah, <laughs> really good. So so when you say craziest, I mean well, just I mean something that I mean I think most people that are familiar with a sous vide would think you know piece of beef, pork, fish. I mean, yeah. I've done creme brulee in the sous vide machine. Ooh. Yeah, the okay. port creme, made creme anglaise. Okay, but um. I did a dish at um, SciShow where I took golden beets, sous vide them, and then I pan roasted them. But then I sous vide just the egg yolk and Ooh. a garlic oil. Ooh. And so when I pulled that out and put that in there with the beets, and then I did um, a mackerel roe, which is caviar, on with that and some smoked sea salt. And I think that's probably the most just yeah, far fetched out of the yeah. brain. Like I don't know what I, I was don't thinking. think I would would have thought to even. Put that as a dish, let alone try to sous vide it as a dish. That's the beauty about having a Japanese gastro pub. That's very you true. You really can go in any direction. Yeah, that does that does sound like a dish you would see on uh, not Top Chef, uh, uh, Iron Chef. Yeah, that does yeah. sound like an Iron Chef dish. Yeah, it was one of those. Man, we were just sitting there and it's like, can you sous vide an egg yolk? Because I know you sous vide an egg. It's the best way to boil an egg. Oh yeah, it's incredible. But I was like, oh, you got to be able to sous vide just a yolk, and it's the coolest thing because it creates the film around it. So the the yolk just sits there all beautiful and nice, and you just barely touch it, and she's 
Break some more. It's cool. It's man, it was a great dish. We just ate and that just made me hungry again. <laughs> just Especially thinking about it. Farm eggs we got. Oh my gosh. Local Our buddies appetite. over at Local Appetite. We uh we went out there a couple weeks ago. And then I was able to pick up some eggs and, and tomatoes and stuff from again today. For and, our pasta today, man. Oh, uh, yeah. So let's jump into what we did today. Absolutely. So uh, we've been working on this. I think the first time was maybe August yeah. when I came out and cooked spaghetti for you that time. Or yeah. Did we? Was that the very first thing we cooked together? It, like working towards this? Yeah. yeah playing yeah, around yeah. with this idea? Do, yeah, I wanted to do because everybody had told me about it. We got a bunch of mutual friends and they kept telling me, man, you got to try bacon sauce. You got to try bacon sauce. Absolutely. And we've piddled around with some, you know, just like we made a beef stew or whatever. Yeah. But this is the first dish where we actually like, let's do a show around this, man. This is where we're at. Let's try this. Yeah, I think I think the beef stew was when you kind of threw this idea at me, like, come for dinner. Yep. You know, and then you made that beef stew was really good, too. <laughs> really good. Um, but, yeah, so I've been working on this sauce, I don't even know, probably 15 years now. I've been yeah. kind of playing around with it. You know, from, love. from one idea to another, yeah. one technique to another, adding this, getting some critique from friends and family and whatnot. Um, and it's actually the first thing that I made for somebody that where I felt like, ooh, I know what I'm doing in the kitchen. Like, right. you know, um, it's a little piece of you. Yeah, not definitely not that I have it all figured out by no means. I'm not saying that, but. Like, ooh, you know, I can hold my own. Right. Um, a, a mutual friend of ours, and I've always said I would protect his name, but his last name ends in a vowel, so that tells you his heritage. And uh, he had my spaghetti sauce. I mean, this was this was a while ago, and he told me that it was better better than his grandmother's. Oh man. He's like, I could never tell her that, but I can tell you that tonight. It, it yours is better. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Like I knew that I knew what that meant for him to even for him to even say that. Yeah. Um, I didn't make that vow. So I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I wouldn't do that to him. He's yeah. a good dude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that just told me like, ooh, I, I can I can play. Like I'm not just no, I'm not you, a complete novice. No, you're definitely in the kitchen, man. That's that's for sure. You um, yeah. I would I would put you on my line any day of the week. Well, but I was, I was saying this was this you know I was twenty six. I think I was still bartending. Yeah, pretty sure. I don't I don't remember exactly when it was, but you know, just that was one of the ones I was like, I'm 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 good. Yeah, you know. Well, a sauce like that, man. That that's definitely one of those. You're you're playing with an old tradition that people don't bend on, man. Well, I graduated culinary school and I went to Italy for yeah. almost two months. They don't play. It, that's that's a you, you don't mess with grandma, man. No, and, and that's the thing, you know. So for me, you know, I'm 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 a quarter Greek, quarter Estonian, and then half American. Right. Um. So I don't have Italian roots. Yeah. So you know, for me, I just I make it the way what sounds good to me, what I like. Yeah. I'm that. born and raised in the South, so right. you know, I mean, I I use bacon. Um, you know, I mean, I, I just do some things different yeah. um, than there. And, and, and I'm not, again, I'm not trained like you are. Right. Um, and I, I didn't have an Italian grandmother that made me her sauce. So I'm like, no, this is the way you make Sunday right. gravy. Yeah. I've come up with it on my own, just yeah. playing around. Um, but that whole nomenclature where, yeah, I, I'm a hundred percent Nordic and raised in the South, dude. My, it's nothing but Vikings in my family. 
I couldn't cook a damn thing Viking-esque <laughs> if I had to. I can cook Japanese food all day long. But, I mean, you can send it like, let's roast this lamb out in the backyard and while people are drinking mead, I'll be lost in space. I mean, I got no clue. So, I mean, heritage is a big deal, but I don't think it's the key to knowing how to make proper food. It's a passion, and passion's passion. If you've got it, and and just, you know, we put your heart in your food, that's that's all it is. Well, and and I think that's a lot of it, too. I mean, you're absolutely right, you know, but I also didn't have that grandmother that made it yeah. almost every Sunday. So, right. so I didn't, ha- I wasn't attached to those childhood memories right. of a certain style. We had the grandmothers that fried everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and my grandmothers, I mean, one was in Charleston and Savannah and then the other one was in California. Yeah. You know, so I didn't, I didn't actually have a lot of that, that grandmother meal cooking. Right. As it was, you know, every few years on vacation. Right. 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 Um, so, all right. Getting into what we did tonight, let, let the folks know. So, um, you know, we've been we've been playing with a couple different ideas over the last couple of weeks, and uh, Derek hit me up and he's like, "When are we doing your spaghetti again?" I was yeah. like, "I was like, you like the sauce?" He's like, "Ren and I like the sauce." Yeah. So you know, we decided that this episode was going to be dedicated to the Sunday gravy sauce. If you're not familiar with what Sunday gravy is, it's spaghetti sauce done right to flex a little bit. Typically in, in Italy, it's like, you know, mom or grandmother, whoever is the, the matriarch of the family kind of plays over the pot all day long, um, tends to it. The entire family gets together. It's not just, you know, basic sauce. It's, you know, everybody's coming. So, you you know, you're you're putting your, your heart and soul into it. Um, and so that's what that's when I tend to make spaghetti sauce. That's what I do is it's a it's a bolognese style. Um you know, definitely hearty meat sauce. Yep. Um, and so with this one, um, I went to the stores I normally do and, you know, what looked good, what looked the best. And they had some uh, beef spare ribs and some lamb shoulder. Yeah. So I was like, ooh, I'm going to start there. All right. Um, and because it was Sunday when I was at the store, I was like, well, I mean, I'm making Sunday gravy. I might as well start this today. So I seasoned it. Let it sit for about an hour or so as is. Um, put it into the sous vide bags and uh, dropped in some tomato paste with it and uh, sealed the bags up, let them sit in the fridge overnight. So basically was able to dry brine. Okay. You'll hear that in like Texas barbecue a lot, the dry brining. Basically just letting the seasoning, the salt specifically, soak into the meat. Um, woke up early the next morning, got the, got the water bath going with the emergent circulator, and then... Uh, me being me and you know with everything we were doing with this one i was like i'm gonna like really play so i set this sous vide for 72 hours at 150 degrees that's crazy um when i pulled that out um late wednesday night um (laughs) the slightest bit of pressure pulled those bones straight out and that meat just like shredded up yeah. I mean, that's the beauty about Suvi. So easy. And it's still moist. It's still, oh, it's incredible it was flavor. unbelievably yeah. moist. And the flavor, you know, because it rendered on all that fat and just cooked it in it and then braised it with the, the tomato. It was so good. Yeah. So good. And so then, you know, I shot you a picture. Yep. I shot uh, Christian and his wife, Sarah, a picture. Um, I was like, yeah, I'll be ready because this stuff is good. Yeah, it was spot on. Uh, yeah. Um, so from there, uh, the rest of the sauce, I mean, it's typical style tomato sauce. 
Um, so instead of onions, I actually used shallots. Because when I went to the store, the shallots looked better than the onions. So I grabbed the shallots. Um, we roasted. No, we didn't roast the garlic. We, um, well, we did, essentially. We, but we confit it. Yeah, we confit it. So cooked it on the stove, um, you know, submerged in oil until yeah. it got nice and golden brown and was nice and soft. Um, and then the rest of the sauce um, was some, some uh, rainbow carrots that we got from the guys at Local Appetite, um, some celery heart, um, a green bell pepper, some of the sweet peppers yep. and then a Anaheim chili. Oh wow. Give it a little bit of spice. Yeah. Again, it looked it looked great at the store, so I got the one. There you go. Um and then uh Italian sausage, both the sweet and the hot, the mild. Oh okay. or the sweet and the hot, sorry, sweet and hot. Mild is the sweet. <coughs> um and then when I took the meat out of the bag, I preserved the tomato paste, actually Threw it in some uh, ice, ice cube trays. All right. Threw it in the freezer. Nice. And then the next day, when they were nice and firm, put those into a Ziploc bag. So I was able to reuse that tonight. So it had all the had all the juices from the meat, plus that tomato that tomato paste, which was really good. Um, and then we also did meatballs. Yeah. And right. so again, was looking at the store what looked best. Yeah. You know, there's all sorts of stuff that looked great, but they had Rouse's had some pork belly, and then they had some brisket. You know, great price, looked beautiful. Yeah. And I remember texting you, I was like, what do you think about meatballs with uh, pork belly and brisket? And he goes, yes, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, all right, so we're on this big kick of grind in everything we eat here lately. Because it's better. Yeah. So, I mean, you throw out the option, hey, man, you want to grind these meatballs? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, I do. But I think I even asked you. I was like, you know, it's a meat sauce, and it's a hearty meat sauce. Like, what do you guys think about doing meatballs? And Chris goes, I mean, how are you gonna say no to meatballs? Right. <laughs> and we're kind of getting sauces. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're getting a little retarded with it because we're doing our meatballs in a muffin tin, so it's yeah it's meat muffins is what it is. Yep. And they had those fresh farm eggs again from the guys' local appetite. Support local. Um, and then the way I make meatballs. Um, I don't use breadcrumbs. Yeah, this is brilliant. So I, I take slices of bread and I soak them in milk. Yep. Um, that helps tenderize the meat once you put it in. Um, and then I actually, so today I used, I had the idea, I was like, I'm going to use buttermilk. Because again, so normally with the meat, like when I would buy the pre-ground meat, yeah. I would get the meatloaf pack that was beef, pork, and lamb. lamb. Um, and so sometimes you get a little bit of gaminess yep. from the lamb. Well, the lamb just I couldn't find it you know at a good price or that we had to do a bunch of butchering on and I was like yeah, let's don't add that many steps to this um, but I was like hmm I want to add a little something extra to that meatball because I'm losing the lamb so I thought what if I soak them in buttermilk yeah and then I also had the idea and I don't even know if I told you about this no and then yeah there's an and then um, but um, so something I'm going to get to in a second we didn't just make regular pasta. We made sourdough pasta. Yeah, and I buddy. got the sourdough starter from Christian's wife, Sarah. I actually brought a little bit of the sourdough starter. So when I was getting ready to soak the, the bread in the buttermilk, I poured a, just, I mean, a little bitty bit, like a shot glass full. All right. Poured it in there, whipped it up. So they were technically sourdough yeah, meatballs. A little, a little yeasty. Yeah. Right. I like but, but again, to tenderize the meat, so we had it prepped up. Let it sit for a little bit, you know, mix it all the way through, um, you know, sauteed off some shallot and parsley with that, added in some some of the uh, comfy garlic, 
um, and then you know made them into balls, threw them in the oven, cooked them off. Um, the sauce probably sauteed by itself on the stove for at least an hour. Oh, at least. Once I got it, once I got all the components together. Yeah. Um, you know, lots of Parmesan Romano cheese in both the meatballs and on the sauce. And that's fresh grated. That's not. Yes. Yeah. Fresh grated. I mean, I mean, seriously, like you don't have to do all these stuff that I did. Like if you're going to make spaghetti sauce, you can make gray spaghetti sauce from the jar. Oh, yeah. Add some salt and pepper. Add some dried Italian seasoning. Some, some, some of the Italian herbs that you can find in any grocery store anywhere. And the little jar of tomato paste. Yeah. We'll make it taste. All like it sat on the stove simmering all day. When I mean, you may have thirty minutes into the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know that will add so much. And then with the with the noodles, salt your water. Oh, heavily, heavily salt the, the water. Like the ocean, like it's yeah, like it's ocean water. And those little things will make it so much better. I mean, any jar can tomato sauce you want, automatically going to taste better. You don't have you don't have to do what we're doing, but we wanted to play. <laughs> this is what we do. I mean, that's the beauty about this. Um, and then tonight was also the first time I've ever made noodles from scratch. Yep. Um, so watched probably 13 or 14 different YouTube videos on. Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, so I had always wanted to do it. Well, so here's my thing. Like, I had always wanted to make my own noodles. Right. I don't have the pasta roller or cutter. It's three ingredients. Yeah, but okay. But here's the thing. Hang on. Okay. I've never had anybody show me. Oh. So that was my goal was I at some you. point to find somebody that I could make it next to. I didn't know. <laughs> I forgot that you had made pasta. I, I think, it, dude, I think of you as a Japanese as, as a Japanese chef because that's I'm what, the whitest white dude in the world. <laughs> Japanese chef. I'm just saying yeah. that's that's I didn't Come think on. of it. Um, so that was always my goal was to find somebody. I mean, ideally, I would have loved to have found an Italian grandmother yeah. to show me how to make pasta the right way. They won't let us over there anymore. No. Um, but, so, again, me being me and just wanting to make sure it was good. Yeah. I watched as many different videos from as many different creators on YouTube as I could find um, and kind of blended some recipes together um, and actually had the idea. That's where I got the sourdough idea was to make a sourdough pasta so it had more flavor to it. Yeah. Um, and I'm super pleased with the way that turned out. So it, it did something that I'm not used to pasta doing. So usually whenever you make pasta, it doesn't inflate whenever you add it to the water. It just, you know, it's going to get a little bigger, but it just, it does its thing. It cooks and becomes al dente. Yeah. This inflated and it, it took it to a whole nother level. I've never had pasta have this flavor and the body that it had. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it was, you know, double O flour. Yeah. Which is the pasta, typical pasta flour, yeah. and then semolina, which you know a lot of times gives it that heartier toothiness, right? Naturally, um, eggs, a little bit of water, and then I added it, the recipe I found um, had the salt already added. Oh, okay, so I had so I had I was able to add salt to it in the batter. Excellent, um, and a little bit of olive oil, and that's it. You know, that's um, perfect. So I, I ran it through the food processor to kind of get it going. Pulled it out, kneaded it for eight to ten minutes or so, just you know pulling back and forth, opening it up, trying to laminate it by hand, stuff like that. Um, so you know, I mean, super. It was actually way easier than I thought. Yeah. Um, double wrapped it in Saran wrap, let it sit in the fridge overnight. Phenomenal. Awesome, man. It was it was probably the best pasta I've had. Thanks, man. Since Italy. I take that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with that. No, I mean, seriously, dude. And it's it's in my top five. 
I can live with that. Yeah. Well, My first time I ever top five, I'm good. Yeah. All right. So we are now 40 minutes into this. All right. Let's take a pause for the cause. All right. Commercial break. Commercial break. Commercial break. This commercial is brought to you by the bathroom. <laughs> Stay tuned. My ear holes are sweating. <laughs> 